This is Zach Driscoll, and I'd like to welcome you to the Real Men Podcast. To find more Bible teaching and content like this, visit markdriscoll.org. And don't forget to set aside a good chunk of time, because my dad has a habit of preaching lengthy sermons. Father God, we just want to start by saying thank you. Thank you that we get to call you Father. Uh, We're not orphans, we're sons. We're not alone. We got a dad who ventures into every season, day, struggle, and celebration of life with us. Uh, Lord Jesus, thank you, thank you, thank you. We wouldn't even know what a man was or should be had you not entered into human history to show us what a real man is supposed to look like and be like. And that makes it so encouraging and helpful. And uh, Holy Spirit, thank you that you empowered the life of Jesus and you come to empower men to become like Jesus and to walk in his authority as the Father's sons. God, as I share a little bit of uh, vision and what's in my heart, uh, God, I pray that the men would receive this, that they'd be excited about it, that they would support it, uh, that they would pray for it, and that ultimately they would add to it uh, so that the vision could grow, so that more men could be served in Jesus' good name. Amen. Well, starting in January, uh, we're going to be kicking off Wednesday nights. Everything will be transitioning. New branding, new focus, next season, next stage, we're going to call it Real Men. And that'll start on uh, January 15th. We'll uh, continue to meet on Wednesday nights and I'll explain where this is going, but you'll see social media. And we'll get into all of this in a moment. You're gonna see shirts and hats and branding, working toward events and ultimately publishing of books uh, for men. And so um, starting in January, we'll kick it off uh, on, on uh, Wednesday night, January 15th. And the series will be Kingdom Down and it'll be a men's Bible study in Daniel. And so what we'll do is we'll study the Bible, the Word of God together on Sundays. We'll take uh, 12 sessions, go through Daniel. On Wednesday night, there will be a particular application for men, just for you men. And uh, what I'm so excited about is the world in which Daniel lived is a lot like the world in which we live. It is hostile, tempting, and all pressure is to surrender to the wrong king rather than remain faithful to our true king. And Daniel, over the course of decades of his life, remained devoted and faithful to God. And so it's a perfect study for men as we look at all the various seasons of life and we have Daniel as a spirit-filled case study of what it is to live faithfully in a culture that is very unfaithful. And so that being said, I'll tell you a little bit about where we be going. Uh, Here are the goals. Uh, They're twofold. Leadership development here at the Trinity Church. That's the first and foremost goal. I love you. I love our church family. Uh, This is home and uh, and we want to continue to grow the Trinity Church with godly husbands, fathers, brothers, and leaders. And so my focus on Wednesday night will primarily be, our focus will primarily be together leadership development how to lead at work, how to lead at home, how to lead in ministry, how to lovingly lead your wife, lovingly lead your kids if you're a grandpa, lovingly lead multiple generations of your family in the will of God. And so I was talking to some pastors recently and they're like, what do you do for leadership development? Men's ministry, that's what I do for leadership development. They said, what about the women? I said, well, I have one, her name is Grace and she does leadership development for women. I do not feel that I am the expert on leadership development for women. I do not feel that she is the leadership expert for men. So we do this together, amen? So your wives are welcome to come and back. Kids and student ministry will be available as well. Beyond the Trinity Church, leadership development beyond Trinity. Provide a simple transferable model and resources 
for small groups and church and parachurch men's ministries, including my teaching notes, the group discussions that you all will be using, tutorial videos that will play some show and tell and help other churches start men's ministry. In my opinion, this is the greatest hole in church ministry. Almost every church has a huge women's ministry, big kids ministry, big student ministry, very small men's ministry. They get together, eat pancakes, you know, or look at each other's cars or watch football twice a year and thinking that that is sufficient. Men need far much more than that to do the things that God has called them to do. And so we want to equip ministries because in addition to the want to, and I think most men want to get together. I think most men want to learn how to lead. I think most men wanna go to the next level of their walk with Christ. And they want to bring their family along in the purposes of God, but they don't have the how to. And we wanna provide a lot of the how to for free to help men who want to walk into God's will for them. So it'll include, uh, my teaching notes or whomever is teaching the group discussion questions, tutorial videos, just sort of, sort of explaining how we do things. Um, and that is that we talk and I'll get into the whole series of events that'll be transpiring on Wednesdays. Uh, but that includes the discussion time around the tables with the table leaders. And so this ministry started very, very, very small and it is growing by God's grace. So the model can start even with one small group of men and can expand from that place. This will include branding and logo use. And so the branding and marketing and logo that we roll out, we will make available for free to anyone. If guys wanna do a men's ministry or small group or parachurch ministry, then praise be to God, here's any resource we have, reuse it, repurpose it, redo it, whatever works, praise be to God, we just wanna help. And then also uh, visits from pastors of other churches. And so when we post this talk on the internet, my invitation is, is if you are a senior pastor who wants to do men's ministry, come visit us. Join us for the time beforehand where we get together with the men. Come on in on a Wednesday night, meet with some of the leaders, ask questions, sit in on a table discussion, kind of play show and tell with us, and then go back to your church or ministry and do that with and for your men. And my deep conviction is if the senior pastor will own the men's ministry, it becomes a priority in the church. And so my hope, prayer and goal is that other senior pastors um, would see this as an opportunity. And, and for the senior pastors who will hear this, most senior pastors are struggling to, to find good godly men and to keep them in the church family. And ultimately a lot of the problems and counseling issues and family trauma that is dealt with by the pastor really should be dealt with by the man who is the husband and father but he's not involved. And so then the leadership steps in, it's better for the leadership to invest in that man so that he can step up and do the things that God has called him to do and love the people that God has called him to love. That's our goal. So those are the first two goals. Here's what we'll be doing practically. Uh, we'll continue weekly on Wednesdays. We'll take a break during the summer and some of the holidays, but from 6.30 to 8.30, as we have been, there'll be a welcome, worship, testimony, and I don't know about you, I think that's incredibly sacred and significant. It's one thing to get teaching, and then it's another thing to see the example of what God is doing in someone's life. And so within that as well, um, sometimes that will include uh, baptismal testimonies and baptizing guys on Wednesday night who are the new Christians. 
uh, Bible-based teaching, uh, group discussion, and prayer. And the new thing that we will add is there will be a grill in the back, open at 5.30. If you wanna show up early and cook something that is dead, feel free to bring it. We'll also have some things available for you. If you're a vegetarian, bring your big mushroom. We won't judge you, but we will make fun of you. So that's just how this is gonna go. Um, now, so, so the grill will be open if you wanna come early because it is kind of dinner time. And uh, my pledge to you is if there's an NBA or an NFL game or a college game on television, I'll put it on the big screen in the back and we can hang out before we get to the official formal time. That's not required, but is available and a lot of the leaders will be there. After we have Wednesday, here's what will happen next. The teaching uh, will continue to be sermon-based, make specific applications each week to the men. So we'll do as we have been doing, preach a sermon Sunday, and then work the content through for men here on Wednesday. Once the teaching is done, here's what will happen next. It'll go online. Uh, I've got a ministry, markdriscoll.org, the website and the app, the trinitychurch.com website and app. We will take Wednesday nights, we're gonna put it live online. I don't know of any men's ministry that is live. I know of churches on Sunday that are. I know of some ministries and teaching, but just a men's ministry, I, maybe there is one. And if there is, let me know. I'd love to see it so I could learn from it. But what we're doing on Wednesday nights with the teaching, we'll go to YouTube Live, and then we'll be posted on YouTube. It'll go to Facebook Live. And recent sermons have gotten reach as much as 50,000 people just on Facebook Live, non-boosted, totally organic posts. The two primary groups that listen to my sermons are 18 to mid-20s and mid-20s to mid-30s. And the vast majority of my social media followers and those who listen online are all men, all men. All platforms, all men. And so I wanna just take this content and give it out because maybe guys aren't in church yet, but maybe they're open to learning. Maybe other churches and ministries don't yet have a men's ministry, but if they can see what we're doing, then hopefully that encourages them to do something similar as God leads them. Also be posted on iTunes. What I will do then, we will do, we'll take the teaching notes and discussion questions for the men and the women, post them on the ministry website and app and the church website and app. My wife, Grace, is simultaneously in the back leading the women and she writes a full curriculum and small group questions for the women. All of that will be posted online. So that if, let's say there is a husband and a wife, they wanna go through it together, or there's a women's ministry that wants to do what the gals are doing, or a men's ministry that wants to do what we're doing, all of that's available. And our point is nothing to join, nothing to give, nothing to pay. Our hope is just to serve, that's it. And if people wanna use the resources, then that's great. They can repurpose them, change them, edit them, whatever works for them, praise be to God. With that as well, I will be posting significant research briefs on entire additional books of the Bible and other resources, uh, giving away to pastors and ministry leaders, starting with a, a current list of 7,000 pastors across the world that have signed up for these resources. And so we wanna see that number continue to grow so that we can love and serve. Because my thing is, we live in a world where men are beat up, they need to be built up. And we live in a world where it is very fashionable to criticize churches rather than serve churches. So we wanna build men up and serve churches. That's my whole heart. And I know that's yours as well. Uh, that being said, um, once things are living online, um, 
the question then becomes, uh, and I wanna spend the rest of my time answering this, why uh, real men? And the good news for us, Jesus is the real man. Every guy has got some form or fashion, a deviancy from the character of Christ. So you cannot have men's ministry without Jesus because we don't even know what a man is or what a man should do apart from Jesus. Jesus is the only normal man who has ever walked on the earth. The rest of us are abnormal. We need the father to adopt us, the spirit to fill us so that we become like the son. That's what it's all about. One of my favorite verses, 1 Corinthians 16, 13 through 14, it's for men, but it says, be watchful. It means pay attention to your life, your finances, your health, your family, your ministry, your business. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith that Jesus already defeated Satan, sin, death, hell, the wrath of God. We don't go off to war. We hold the line for the one who has won the war. And that's what it means to stand firm. He says this, I think, four times as well at the end of Ephesians, that our war isn't against flesh and blood, but powers, principalities, and spirits, therefore stand firm. So Jesus is victorious and you guys are soldiers called to the front line to hold the line, to not retreat, to not surrender through sin and unbelief. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith. This verse is controversial. Act like men. We live in a world that says, well, there aren't men and women. Yeah, there are. People say, I don't believe in that. Well, God does, so you should. That God made us male and female. Some of the things we talk about will be offensive because the culture is wrong. Because the culture is wrong. And so it's act like men. It doesn't act like, you know, people on a spectrum who according to what they feel they are this week get to act accordingly, okay? So you're men, you're the image bearers of God. 1 Corinthians 11 says that you are the glory of God and that ultimately God wants you to act like men. What does that mean? Act like Jesus, the God man, the perfect example for all men. And so it goes on to say, uh, be strong. And that is living by the strength of the Holy Spirit. He says the same thing in Ephesians 6. He says, be strengthened in his strength is literally what it means in the original text. And that is that our strength is a borrowed strength. That our strength is a borrowed strength and it comes from the Holy Spirit. So you may not be strong, but the Holy Spirit can make you strong. Strong enough to stay faithful to your wife, strong enough to work your job, strong enough to forgive your enemies, strong enough to love your kids, strong enough to make a difference, strong enough to be generous, strong enough to lead and grow. The Holy Spirit gives men strength that other men don't have access to. That's the great encouragement for us is, as God's men, we have access to the power of the Holy Spirit. Other men don't, right? They can't be strong, resilient, loving as we are because they don't have the availability of the same power source in the Spirit. And then here's the big overarching because as men, we forget this all the time. Let, how much of what you do? All, some of you like, what's that mean in Greek? Everything. Let all that you do be done in love. So whatever a man says or does, over it all, love. Christ-like, masculine, love. Christ-like, masculine, love. And so let me talk uh, just a little bit um, 
about why I think this is such a cultural crisis. And uh, I would just appreciate your prayer because I know that I'm gonna stick my chin out on this stuff quite a bit. Because what we talk about here is great, but once you put it online, there are others that have differing opinions I have heard. Now, um, <laughs> that being said, if you want a women's studies degree, you can get one in college, but if you want a men's studies degree, there is no such thing. If you wanna join a group, you can join the National Organization for Women, but I have not yet found the National Organization for Men. If you say, I wanna, I wanna overcome some addiction that I have, pornography, alcohol, gambling, anger, I want to learn how to be humble and love and serve people. I wanna learn how to love one woman. I wanna learn how to raise kids that are healthy and, and I'm a burden lifter for them and not a burden giver. Where do you go if you're a man? We have prisons for men. We have recovery and treatment centers for men. We have cops and probation officers for men, but we don't have a place for men to go before they wreck their life. We only have places for men to go after they wreck their life. We wanna be the place for both. If you wrecked your life, come on in. If you've not yet wrecked your life, welcome. We'd like to help you prevent a wreck in your future. That's why we're going to meet and that's why we're going to encourage other men to meet. And I believe that something very significant and very sacred happens when men get together and say, I wanna become more like Jesus, how do I do that? Right? Once that happens, the Holy Spirit shows up, he's really happy to go to that meeting and he's really happy to help that guy because that's the whole ministry of the Holy Spirit is making believers like Jesus, but I would say in our context, men like Christ. Now, part of the problem that we have is a gravitational force in culture that is absolutely opposed to men. It's absolutely opposed to men. From the films that your young children watch where you know, mom is busy and the dad is an idiot and the family pet saves the day. The whole cultural narrative is that men are buffoons and men are problems and men are in the way. And if we could just get rid of the men, then everything would be better. But the more that we marginalize men, the faster the deterioration of our culture occurs, the more there is addiction, there is sexual harassment, there is sexual assault and abuse, and great damage comes to women and children. And we are now a culture that is straining under the weight of failed men. You can't raise enough taxes and create enough social services and open up enough prisons to deal with all the problems. We need the men. We need to get to the solution, not just the problem. We need to get on the preventative side and not just the cleanup crew. And so this is the heart that I have for you and for us as men. And I invite you to partner with me, to pray with us and with our leadership knowing, hoping, trusting, praying that what we have begun will continue to expand and expand beyond the walls of even this church or ministry. Uh, here's a couple of reasons why I think this is so critical that we're also doing this multi-generationally. Sometimes in churches, not to be critical, but everybody breaks up according to their life stage and sometimes they need to get to know each other particularly in a world where people are mobile, they're moving, they're away from their family of origin, there's divorce, broken families, 
it used to be that one generation would help pull the next generation up. Let's talk about marriage. Let's talk about parenting. Let's, here's how you buy a house. Here's how you get a job. Here's how you get a belt so your pants stay on. You need to learn that. It's huge, right? I always say churches shouldn't hand out water bottles with their logo on it. They should hand out belts because that's where most of the problems are. Nonetheless, that wouldn't be a bad idea. Real men, just put it right here so a guy knows the belt should stay on, okay? Um, and so all of this is to say ultimately that young men in particular are lacking role models and, and examples and, and what I would call fathers. And sometimes older men get together and it's like the VFW hall, right? And they're like, yeah, my back hurts and I hate the president. Well, my elbow hurts and I hate the president. And that's what they're talking about at the VFW hall, whatever has been gay on it and why they hate the government. That's what you talk about, okay? <laughs> It's good for these guys sometimes to get together. <laughs> okay, and they talk about football. Okay, so there's their trinity. Ben Gay, the president, and football. Okay. But ultimately, I like seeing the different ages of men. So let me just ask this right now. Who's the youngest man in the room? How old are you, sir? 21? 19. Who's the oldest? Larry. <laughs> you still alive, Larry? How old are you? Yeah. 74, anybody older than 74? 74, 74 Ty goes to the runner. Back there? How old are you, James? 77. 77, can anybody beat 77? Yeah, <laughs> Larry said, thanks God, there's somebody older than him. Okay, so we're, yeah. you're just a kid. You're just a kid, Larry. All right, so 19 to 77, where does that happen? See, this is the kingdom of God. This is the family of God. So we want older guys to invest in younger guys and younger guys to listen to older guys. And let me tell you what older guys give wisdom, what younger guys give is strength. Young guys are like a sail, a lot of power. Older guys are like a rudder, good direction. You know what happens to a sail with no rudder? It's not good. We call those young men. <laughs> What happens to a guy with a rudder and no sail? He just sit in the docks all the time. So we wanna put the sails and the rudders together so that uh, God can help propel all of us forward together. And here's why this is such a cultural need. I'll just give you some statistics. Um, the majority of children born today to women under age 30 are born out of wedlock. What that means is the prototypical experience is no dad. Okay. You, guys, you guys love the Lord. There's some really good men in the room. Here's the thing that um, my daughter told me. She, uh, I, I love her with all my heart. She is, oh gosh, I mean, if the whole world was like my daughter, it would be amazing. I, I, I adore her. We're very, very close. When I was a, a little, when she was a little girl, I, I remember she looked at me, she grabbed my face and she said, I'm so glad you're my daddy. I said, I'm so glad I'm your daddy too. She said, if you weren't my daddy, everything would be different and nothing would be better. Okay, I was like, oh my gosh. You know, I wrote it down, do a good job. You know, like, uh, <laughs> hey, I mean, I'm just, just think about that. For those of you that are dads, take yourself out of your kid's life. What is their life? It's very different, it's not better. The typical prototypical experience today is no dad, no dad. 
Um, in addition, what we are seeing is that at some point in their life, the majority of children will live with their mother and her boyfriend, but no father. So kids, especially young men are learning, well, you know, he likes to sleep with my mom, but he doesn't really wanna be a family and he really doesn't want me. It causes a sense of rejection. And sometimes when the guys move in, the kids, let's say even a son, like, hey, maybe I'm gonna get a dad. No, he's just here to sleep with mom. So there's a lot of brokenness in our culture. And what this leads to for young men is a life stage that's called adolescence. There's a lot of sociological work that has been done on this, but it used to be you would be a boy and then you'd become a man. And now we've created an intermediate life stage called adolescence. And what that means is you get the freedoms of a man, but you have the maturity of a boy. It's the worst of both worlds. These are guys in largely their 20s. It's a global phenomenon, okay? So my, my heart is for all men, but my heart is first for young men. An older man might afford counseling or you know, some professional care. A younger man is just broken, confused most of the time. In this adolescent intermediate stage, they don't know if they're boys, they don't know if they're men. These are where you spend your 20s looking at pornography, drinking alcohol, sleeping with women, moving in with your girlfriends, losing your job, creating drama, you know, doing really good at Fortnite, and you know, none of which at the end of the day is really impressive or leads to a fruitful multi-generational legacy, okay? But what we have now is a whole generation of guys that are totally confused on responsibility and masculinity, completely confused. And the problem is they have no models. They have no men to look to. And some of you older men, you will think I've failed, I've made mistakes, I have regrets. Who am I to teach a younger man? Teach him through the lessons learned the hard way. Lessons can be learned the easy way, they can be learned the hard way. Even if the lessons are learned through the pain of another man, at least his pain was purposeful to maybe help alleviate pain for another man. So you don't have to have gotten it right to be one who can be like a spiritual father. You just need to be one who's honest and real and then help Jesus to help them to make it right. Uh, part of the reason why I think this is such a major cultural crisis as well, especially for young men, for the first time in the nation's history, there are more women than men in college. There are more women than men who have a driver's license, that have a driver's license. There are more women than men in church. 60% of church attendance is female, 11 to 15 million more women than men in church. And I say, praise God, I got a wife and two daughters. I'm glad they're in church. But if 60% if of church attenders are female and only 40% are male, what it means is we have lost the men. And like I always say, if you lose the men, you lose the war. If you wanna win the war, you need to get the men. All of this culminates in what I will call the lie. The lie is a powerful myth. It's a demonic lie. All lies are ultimately demonic. Jesus says that Satan is bilingual in John 8, but that ultimately his native language is lying. One of the great lies that has been promulgated in the culture and promoted to men is that Jesus doesn't work. That's the lie. How many of you have heard, 
Some of you have been here a while, so you've heard me say this a few times. Christians get divorced at the same rate as non-Christians. How many of you have heard that? It's not true. Uh, Christians commit adultery the same rate as non-Christians. How many of you heard that? Not true. Well, Christian men, they, they abuse their wives and kids the same as everybody else. Not true. That lie comes from faulty sociological research. And I think it does two things. Number one, it discourages non-Christians, especially non-Christian men for coming to church and from reading the Bible and considering Jesus. If the church and Jesus and the Bible don't work and you're a man, you're like, I'm not gonna waste my time, money and energy to try something that doesn't work. So it discourages men. This is why having testimonies is so powerful. It shows, no, actually the Bible is true. The church is the family of God and Jesus does work, All right? You, you can't argue with reality. And a testimony is reality that a living God makes a living difference in the life of a man. In addition, this powerful lie, and I think it is demonic, what it does is it discourages Christian men. It's like, why, why tithe? Why pray? Why read the Bible? Why go to church? Why sing? Why, why lead my family if it doesn't work? As men, we don't sign up for, for missions that we know are doomed to fail. Why waste all the time and energy? Here is something I hope is of incredible encouragement to you. All of these lies regarding men, and behind it is the Heart for Men's Ministry, is based on faulty sociological work where they went out and they asked, are you a Christian? And if you said yes, they put you in a category. If you said no, they put you in a category. And what they didn't ask is, is it something that you profess or is it also something that you practice, right? So let me just ask this. How many of you have a gym membership, but don't go to the gym, right? <laughs> right? Right, I mean, both of you were honest, raise your hand, but you know, a gym membership is a, it's like a penalty that you pay for not working out. That's what a gym membership is. Like, I feel bad about not working out, so I'll pay this fine to the gym, right? So if you did this investigation, like, well, people who have a gym membership, they're, they're in as bad of health as everybody else. But if you asked, do you go to the gym? That's an important question. You could say you have belief, but do you have behavior, okay? You can profess, but do you practice? And so Jesus says, you know, many will come to me on the last day and say, Lord, Lord, here's our resume. We cast out demons, we did awesome stuff. And he says, depart from me, why? I never knew you, we weren't doing life together. In addition, Jesus' brother James says in James 1.22, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So it's not just learning something, it's acting upon that learning. That's why the time of teaching is for God's word and the time of discussion around the tables is doing what it says. Okay, what's the next step? What's your thing? How do we pray for you? How do we help you? What, how do you be doers? You need to be a hearer because faith comes by hearing the word of God. But James says, don't just be hearers of the word, be doers. So we like to talk about God's work for you, in you, through you. A lot of what we learn in the word is what Jesus Christ has done for us, what the Holy Spirit is doing in us, but then it needs to complete its cycle to where it is acted out and life is changing as we live life in obedience to God. So 
what happened after sort of the finding of this faulty analysis, there was a man named Bradford Wilcox. I, Wilcox, I think he is the leading sociologist on marriage and family in America. He's a professor at the University of Virginia. He did what was the largest case study on men, marriage, and family in the history of the United States of America. He's got a national organization for fathering. He updates his findings every year. He is in all of the premier psychological and sociological secular journals. He's got all of the credentials. And he started doing the research. What makes a good man? What makes a good marriage? What makes a good family? What makes a good society? And when he went out, he didn't just ask, are you a Christian? He asked, do you believe the Bible is God's word? Do you believe people are sinners? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the only savior? So he looked at their beliefs and also their behavior. Do you attend church? Do you read your Bible? And do you pray? Do you pray? What he found was Christian men are the best men. That's exactly what he found out. Not only that, Protestant, Bible-believing, church-going, Jesus-loving men are statistically the greatest men. And I'll, I'll read some of his findings. They're the greatest husbands, they're the greatest fathers, they're the greatest men. And how many of you, you go, that sounds right. Because the kind of man that you and I were before Jesus was not a better man. We become better men because of Jesus and he continues to make us better men. Now, the findings of Bradford Wilcox were interesting to me. He culminates all of this in the book, Soft Patriarchs, New Men, because he's not Protestant. He's, I think he's a Catholic guy. So it's not even, he comes to the conclusion like, yeah, my team's not the best team to be on. <laughs> That's how you know a guy's done good research. He, he followed the truth where it led. And what he found was, Men who believe that they are sinners, men who believe that Jesus is their savior, men who believe that the Bible is a book that God wrote through men, men who attend church, particularly with their wives and kids, men who pray with and for others, and men who read the Bible for themselves trying to hear from God, those men live markedly, statistically, radically improved lives over all other category of men. So in our culture, you look at it, everyone is treating the problems, but no one has the solution. The solution is get the men to be like Jesus. And a lot of what is cultural crisis and crime and chaos, it is eviscerated or at least diminished because Jesus does work, amen? So what's nice is we read it in the word you know, and then we hear the evidence saying contrary, and then the real research is done that confirms everything we were hoping. So give you a couple of quotes from Bradford Wilcox's kind of wrap this up. Um, Conservative Protestant married men with children are consistently more active and expressive with their children. Bible-believing, church-going Protestant men, you guys are the most likely to talk to their kids, praise their kids, love their kids, kiss their kids, hug their kids, coach their kids' sports teams, bar none. How many of you have had your kids in sports and a lot of the coaches are Christian guys? Almost every, actually, I think every team I could think of that my baseball playing sons have ever been on, the head coach was a Christian dad. You know why? Because he's got the father's heart. 
Uh, in addition, conservative Protestant family men are more likely to do positive emotional work in the marriages and are more consistently engaged emotionally in their marriages. The most loving, encouraging, compassionate, empathetic men are the Christian men. Right, we, le we learn from Jesus, the number one emotion that he demonstrates in the Bible, compassion. Men don't have compassion until they met, meet Jesus. Men don't understand compassion until they meet Jesus. He gives them compassion to then share with others. He goes on to say, church attendance almost uniformly promotes higher levels of paternal involvement and expressiveness among conservative Protestant family men. What he says is if you read the Bible, pray and go to church, you actually spend more time, more and more time with your wife and kids and you're actively involved. He goes on to say, wives, you won't hear this from a lot of the women's leaders in our culture, but wives are more likely to report happiness with the love and affection they receive from their husbands. They pull the women. Uh, so who's the most happy? I am, why? My husband prays with me, we read the Bible, he listens to God, so he doesn't think he's God, which is helpful for us both. Uh, in addition, he goes to the church and the guy tells him to be nice and love and forgive and bless and be generous. And we all tend to benefit from that. So I like my guy the best. Not shocking, right? I mean, it makes sense. And the evidence bears it to be fact. Goes on to say, religious attendance is associated with more empathetic behavior on the part of married men with children. Again, compassion comes with those who are with Christ. Family men who are integrated into the life of a religious institution, especially conservative Protestant men, spend more time socializing with their wives. Guess which guys talk to their wives the most? Bible guys, which guys listen the most? The Bible guys, the guys who have the most date nights, the Bible guys. Because where are you gonna go apart from the church to hear how to be a good man and how to love others? A couple of last ones. Uh, conservative Protestant married men with children are consistently the most active and expressive fathers and the most emotionally engaged husbands and men who are regular churchgoers are more likely to spend time in youth-related activities. They hug and praise their children more often, and they yell at their children less than other fathers. Best thing we can do for women, men like Jesus. Best thing we can do for children, men like Jesus. Best thing we can do for men and boys, men like Jesus. Lowest rates of domestic violence, Christian men. Lowest rates of adultery, Christian men. Lowest rates of divorce, Christian men. The evidence is true and the culture just doesn't like it because it undermines so many powerful institutions that are trying to replace God and family. And, and some institutions and organizations are seeking in a demonic way to override God and family. And family is the first institution that God made. And as Satan attacks the family, then there is brokenness in the culture and then government and other social organizations, some well-intended come to alleviate sort of the burden and the pain, but others promulgate the problem by having no plan for what to do with the men. Our hope, prayer, and goal is Love the men, lead the men, help the men to learn how to become like Jesus. And lastly, I'll close with this. The highest rates of divorce are two people who practice different religions. 
the lowest rates of divorce and the highest rates of marital joy and satisfaction are from those who not just are of the same religion, but they're both Bible-believing, church-going, Jesus-loving, prayer-offering Christians. Christians. You know, universities all across America are talking about gender and marriage and sexuality and family and parenting and sociology and anthropology and psychology and gender studies. And if they were honest, they would say, you know what? People need Jesus. But they're not gonna say that. So guess what? That's what we're here to say. Okay? Now that being said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray. This is my heart for you men and for all men. God has brought some wonderful men into my life. Some are brothers, little brothers, some are peer brothers, some are big brothers, some are fathers, some are grandfathers. We want those relationships to develop here and we want to help other men develop those relationships in their church and in their community and in their ministry. Father God, thank you for an opportunity. God, that's all that it is. It's just an opportunity to to seek to not just make a dent, but a difference in the lives of men. God, I wanna honor these men who are here. Uh, We've got about a 60 year age gap between the youngest to the oldest. God, there are some guys that are in the blocks, the starting lines of their life. There are guys that are in the middle of the race. There are guys that can see the finish line. Help us each to run our race, to run the race with perseverance, as the Bible says. To start wisely, to stay in our lane, to run faithfully and to finish well so that when we close our eyes and stand before the Lord Jesus, we hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, people need Jesus. Men need Jesus. Marriages need Jesus. Families need Jesus. Legacies need Jesus. Communities need Jesus. Businesses need Jesus. And Lord Jesus, we ask as men that you would give us an opportunity to tell others about Jesus so that they could experience the kind of forgiveness and hope and life and change that we enjoy by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, it is my humble request. I don't know what the future might hold, But if we could help some other guys do this and some other churches follow this sort of basic, simple model and build upon it and improve it, that would be amazing because we look forward to Lord one day. I I didn't even have it in my heart when I got up, but I see it in my mind, Lord. Would you just give us someday in heaven a huge men's event where all the men get together to celebrate and thank Jesus for all he's done in their life and family. And so, Lord, we look forward to that day. I see it by faith in my mind. When these men, with their, with their sons and their grandsons and their brothers and their fathers and others that we have not yet met that perhaps would join us in this great mission, that we could have a men's get-together and we could celebrate Jesus and tell the stories of victory in his good name. Amen.